Welcome to the Greenhouse Podcast, everybody. This is Steve Perkins, and this podcast is for people wanting to tap into more of their potential and live a more fulfilling life in the everyday. And today we have a guest on who is really living that out every day, both in his personal life and in his business called Council Creative. Kenny Morgan is the co-founder and CCO of Council Creative, which is a creative firm really working to build relationships and brands that matter. And so he's going to talk a bit about their company, but he's been leading marketing and creative strategy for more than 10 years. And they're based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. We were actually going to speak next to each other on a stage just recently. This is being recorded during the time of the coronavirus crisis. So we actually did not have the chance to speak together and said, well, why don't we get on the podcast together and talk about same topics of life, leadership, business, growth that we were going to talk about on stage. So Kenny and his brand firm really have worked with great companies and brands like Vans and Sony, the NFL, Michelin, Rubbermaid, all kinds of great companies to tell their story and really help them connect more with their people in a relationship-driven way. And he began this company when he realized his background in digital design blended perfectly with his wife Rachel's business sense and project management skills. And so they've combined forces and created this great company. They just have big hearts for helping people and doing really quality work. They also love the outdoors and enjoy it often with their son. And so today we're going to talk about a little bit of his journey into this company and living out his purpose and calling, but also a really unique topic on creating emotional connection. Whether that's in your personal life or in business, Kenny is going to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome and overcoming that obstacle for himself and moving into creating really great emotional connection. So without further ado, here is my interview with Kenny. Hey, Kenny, it's it's really fun to have you on the podcast and podcasting from our remote quarantine locations. That's right. That's right. Thank you for having me, Steve. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So you're in Chattanooga, Tennessee right now? That's right. Chattanooga. It's fun because I've never been there, but through you and a couple other business friends have met some people there and now it's making me want to visit once this is all over. <laughs> yeah, I prefer, yeah, you come after after the quarantine, but I think we in the last five years have been rated the number one outdoor city in the U.S. twice, which is insane. And there's a lot of beautiful places in our country, but yeah, it's a great place to come. If you like being outdoors, this is the place to come for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I think for me, mid-sized cities are becoming a bit of a fascination and really fun fun places to explore because it's not everything you've heard about before, but right, lots of unique local stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you guys big into food? Is it a good food scene there? Yeah. You know, I've been here most of my life and the food scene has definitely ramped up in the last five to 10 years. You know, I mean, the, the economy before the pandemic outbreak, you know, it was ramping up pretty good for really every city in the U.S. But Chattanooga is like halfway between or I guess about two hours from Nashville two hours from Atlanta so it's this nice middle sweet spot that you know it's not too big so all the restaurants feel very personal and authentic so it's been a great place for yeah outdoor food tourism all of those combined it's a great place well that's fun I think today we want to focus on this idea of the importance of emotional connection Hmm. and I just think right now 
with the virus and pandemic and quarantine going on, it's even more important than ever, not just for businesses. Obviously, right. we're learning that's incredibly important for businesses, but in our personal lives too. So I think the topic is really timely. But before we dive into that, I'd love people just to hear a little more about your background and how you got to doing everything you're doing now with Council Creative and family life and everything else. Absolutely. Well, I guess I'll start with the family life. So my wife is definitely my better half. She's the better half of the family. And she's also a co-founder of Council Creative. We went into business uh, officially in 2017. And we are the proud parents of a six-year-old boy and a recent baby girl. She's five months old. So that's kind of the family update. But so I essentially started my career more focused on marketing. So I had these I guess, blips in my radar of creative as a child uh, in elementary school, middle school, and high school. But, you know, I graduated high school in 2004, and there wasn't a graphic design and production like there is now, which I think it's incredible seeing that kids can have access to, you know, the technologies that we didn't necessarily have back in even in 2004. And yeah. so all we had in terms of creativity and art was art class. And I did that all four years, but it's a lot of sketching and painting and mostly goofing off. That's pretty much what it was in high school. You know, so I'd had these moments where I'd won a t-shirt contest. I was went to a youth competition, was looking for any anything to enter just to keep myself busy. And I found this category called computer graphics. The title for the category was if you create anything on a computer and it's considered computer graphics. So at that time, I used uh, Microsoft Paint to create some knockoff Picasso painting and actually <laughs> uh-huh. won like the top award for the competition. But even then, because there wasn't graphic design or really any mentors in my life that had an understanding of graphic design, I had really no clue that one, that was a profession or two, that was a pathway that I was created for. So I had uh, a family of, of sculptors and painters and that kind of ran in my blood. Um, and I had a passion for it, but I honestly had no clue that that was a career. So uh, at that time of my life, I was really into the music scene. Again, we're sandwiched between Nashville, which is obviously country music capital, Christian music capital, and then Atlanta, which is a, a mixture of R&B, hip hop, all of that. You know, So we have a great music scene surrounding us, and I was really into that scene. So I spent a summer working for Sony on the Vans Warp Tour, going to 52 cities, representing a basically a label on this crazy tour. And then the following summer did an internship in Nashville for the record label and started to get more of an understanding of creativity, not only from a design standpoint, but how artists kind of uh, package themselves to their target, album artwork, writing songs. So this is like a mashup of creativity in a lot of different ways. And then this doesn't happen for everybody, but you know, I had a phone call that essentially shaped my career some people call it chance you know i lean more on the maybe divine intervention side of things but i got a phone call from someone that i honestly barely knew and he called and said hey i got your number can you design me a business card and for whatever reason i said yes and so i got a bootleg version of photoshop and i essentially started my creative career it's crazy (laughs) it all started with a business card yeah, it's random, right? <laughs> business card, that's, which actually wasn't wasn't too bad, you know. <laughs> that's so wild. Wasn't bad. Yeah. What was your mindset at that time about all of this? I think there was definitely some fear like what in the world have I signed up for? 
And then, but there's also this excitement and appreciation that someone sought me out for a certain skill set. You know, again, I don't know why he called and, you know, I hadn't been advertising that I was, I had those abilities. So it was a mixture of, oh no, like, how do I do this? And then two, just, wow, like this is, how do you do that? You know, and so this was kind of pre- YouTube explosion. So there wasn't a million tutorials you could watch on how to become a self-taught designer. So it was definitely like new territory. But but I don't know. I think the challenge of the unknown really excited me. And I got a quick understanding of, hey, this is a career that's that exists and it's possible. And I guess this backlog of creativity that had come from childhood all of a sudden like had a purpose. And I, hmm. I realized that, hey, this is maybe this is what I was created to do. Wow. Were you thinking at the time about, oh, this this is probably my career path now? I wasn't at the time. And even after I got into it a little bit, I think I was still dead set on marketing, more of the entrepreneurship type pathway plus music. I still love the music industry. And yeah, I still had no clue that this was a pathway. I think I had some interest. I was getting really busy on the creative front, mostly because I wasn't charging any money. I didn't know that you could charge money for that. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, of course, you know, my client list was rocking and rolling. And then I think once I finally got some wisdom that, hey, you should charge money for this, I think my, it wasn't an hourly rate. It was a project rate that I would literally do anything for 60 bucks. If it took yeah. me two, two months, I'd do it for $60, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it took, it took a number of years and opportunities, open doors, mentors for me to say, hey, this is, this is definitely where I was called to serve. Yeah. It's funny to me because I I think also being in music and having a strong creative side and knowing a lot of people in creative kind of career fields, there's kind of this common thread of maybe not noticing or feeling like it's a valid job or knowing how to make it a career Mm. path. Yeah, And I don't know your perspectives, but it seems to me that creativity is becoming more and more valued in the Mm -hmm. workplace, in the business world now. Kind of like you mentioned, even between 2004 and now, it went from not really a thing to a full-blown pathway. Absolutely. But the more media there is, the more social media and globalization and internet presence, you know, every brand now, every company knows they need to have elements of that. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it's becoming more of a real job path. Right. What, What are your thoughts on that? Like, How have you seen that evolve? Yeah, that's, uh, I've seen the same thing too. And I would say even in the last maybe three or four years is when I noticed the biggest shift. You know, there was still scrappy work for a freelance designer. Or you could get a more of like an entry level job as a as a designer at an agency and, and make a little bit of a good living. But yeah, I would say it's, I felt, felt the same thing in the last three to four years. There's been a much more value placed on what we do. It's not just you know, we're designers that make things pretty. Like we we have value in helping a business grow and, and having those great first impressions. And even with social media, and I know this is a little bit different, but you know, social media didn't just show up on the block yesterday. It's, you know, I think uh, I was in college so around 2004, 2005 is when Facebook really started to ratchet up on the college level. You know, MySpace was a little bit before that, but then, you know, Instagrams and Twitter, those things have come a little shortly after that, but it's not like it came around yesterday. But I have noticed that in the last two to three years that, 
you know, business owners that had written that off, like, ah, it's, it's going to pass. We don't need to engage with that. Now saying like, if I don't engage in that, then I'm going to miss out on a massive opportunity. So yeah, in a lot of ways, our, our jobs as creatives have definitely become more valuable. And I think people are starting to see, you know, that we do a lot more than just make things look pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just a fascinating topic to me because in some ways it makes sense that it hasn't always been valued or that it's maybe been viewed as a fluffy extra thing because it's hard mm-hmm. to measure quantitatively. It's hard to measure, you know, like a monetary return on something right. creative compared to other more traditional things. And and yet even across people, and I've seen this working with companies, you know, so many people who that's not their core job, you know, they're mm-hmm. not a designer or some kind of purely quote unquote creative role needing to think more creatively and infuse more of that into their processes and um, how they do things. And so there's this almost permission play going on of Mm. like, it's okay to tap into your creativity in your work. And actually we need to. And, and, but at the same time, how do you do that? And yeah, yeah. You know, and then kind of putting people like you on a pedestal, but actually we need to we kind of need to learn from people like you too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing is we all have something unique and special to give to the process. You know, I think the engineering of a product service organization is kind of like the core. You can't sell anything if nothing exists, you know, so that's the core. And you got to make sure that when this product or service or whatever it is, or your organization uh, gets ready for launch, that the wheels don't fall off, you know, it's got to ride, you know, then we've just seen the power of like early on, even in college, we had worked with a team to create this new mobile app for the trade show industry. And we were very excited about it. I think even to this day, I don't think um, that market had truly been captured in the way that we thought it could. And and again, this is not from a prideful standpoint, but I thought we had created probably the most aesthetically pleasing and best user interface or user-friendly mobile app for the trade show industry. But in that case, there's that movie, um, Field of Dreams, where they say, if you build it, they will come. That's not true (laughs) in most cases, you know? (laughs) And so in that case, we had the most aesthetically pleasing, I felt like, app for the trade show industry, but no one had known that it existed. So that's where, like, communication and marketing, that's where it's important. And so I guess... To sum up, you know, there's just benefits and value to each form of the process. So the product's got to work. I think design is the first impression. So you can have the best product in the world, but if the design is not on par, then no one's going to see that as a product worth engaging with. Kind of what we talked about, you know, off camera a little bit, the importance of establishing that emotional connection. I think that's, I don't know if it's the third or fourth tier in, in the formula, but I think, you know, engineering, design, emotional connection, community, all those things are really important to having success across the board. So going back to your story, you kind of come into this all through a business card. Mm-hmm. And over time, it grows into this full on company you have now. I'm kind of curious. I mean, you had to learn into a, a role, learn into being a leader, running a business. What have been some of your ways of growing as a person? I mean, I know about you that you're you invest in yourself and your growth. And as some of our listeners would know, we were supposed to share a stage together uh, yeah, last right. week in Palm Springs. <laughs> Bummer. That's right. And talk to a, a whole bunch of CEOs about some personal growth and leadership ideas and creativity. So 
I don't know. I'm just curious in your growth, what have been some things that you found helpful or go to places? Sure. I think for me, it's just the school of hard knocks. Like just living life has been, uh, had the most impact on just shaping my career, both, well, even not even career, but just my personal life too. I think anybody that's started a business has quickly found that it's, you know, it's far from perfect more often than it is perfect, you know? And so, and even throughout my career, you know, I had a almost like an imposter syndrome feeling shortly after I got into that pathway because I didn't go to school for it. So for the longest time, I had this kind of these thoughts in my head that, you know, I was not a designer. I wasn't good at what I did. And so I struggled for a long time to see that I was even worthy of, of calling myself a designer, you know? But I think I think between just making some mistakes throughout my career and then just really great mentors. So I had this, I think he was the president of our company at the time. He came from Gray Advertising, which is a massive agency in New York City. He came to Chattanooga and was our president. And I, at that point, I still wouldn't call myself an extrovert, but I'm definitely a lot closer to it than I used to be early on in my career. But I had to present him, I think, a, a brand presentation. And I remember walking in there, I think I was probably... 20 early 20 something like that and i just kind of like bowed my head down uh almost bashfully and just kind of laid a printed piece of paper on his desk and was like well here here's what i did (laughs) and he chewed my butt out just chewed me out and said get that i don't know what he called it but he just basically said get that crap off my desk and he he basically coached me and it was it was not my best day but it ended up being like such a huge growth day for me but he he coached me and said i don't ever want you to present something without sharing the story and the reason why you created it get to the point where you're at today and so that day it was a hard day for me but you know every time that i go forth and present a new new idea to a client or having a conversation about future potential you know i think back to my younger days and that conversation where he kind of told me like, hey, you've got to build a story before you show anything at all. It was moments like that. Some of it was tough love. Some of it was uh, a little bit kinder love. But I would say that the balance between that, also working for some companies that did some great things and some not so great things, and then just making some mistakes. We still make mistakes today. You know, I mean, we right in the beginning of this pandemic outbreak, we had a, a bit of a hiccup on a client front and we realized that we've got to be a little bit more careful about what's in our contracts, you know, to make sure that we're taken care of. But it's, that's the things like if, if you don't go through it, you don't know, you know, how to grow in the future. So we're yeah. still growing. I hope that's always the case. I appreciate the part about imposter syndrome. I sometimes remember back to really early on in school, like way, way before my career started having this kind of latent fear about well everyone out there is like experts at stuff i can't go do anything i'm not going to be an expert at it yeah and and i've heard that so often especially from clients and customers we work with is this i'm not an expert and i've come to realize over time i can actually remember during college when i started realizing because i was in engineering school and it's like, well, everyone is an expert and they know everything. I mean, I can't go build a bridge. I don't know anything like <laughs> and realizing that it's very there's such a gray line. Like, yes, there are some experts in things, but it's so blurry. Like, right. Mostly that's just because they've had a lot of experience, but they started out where everyone else did. Sure. And even in most fields, 
people who do have a lot of experience still aren't quote unquote experts. We all just have to figure it out as you go. It's yeah. not like there's very few fields where you learn it all in school and then you go apply it that black very and white, few. you know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how your story is kind of like stumbling into it over time and becoming what most people would call an expert, but yeah, always yeah. <laughs> feeling like, am I? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I tell my wife all the time that, you know, even if I'm an 80 or 90 year old man, I said, if I ever give off the, this feeling that I've arrived or that I know it all, then I said, it's probably time to just throw me in the grave, you know, like, cause <laughs> even as an old man, like I, I want to have that mentality that there's ways to grow. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever don or want to don the expert title, but you know, with our name counseling being in the name, I think it's just this mentality that even with clients that we're growing together, you know, like we're, we may know creative really well, but we don't, we'll never know the product or the business that you represent like you do. So I think it's this appreciation and marriage between the two that, Hey, we can help you on the creative front. We can help you extract that emotional story that we know exists already in your story. As long as you guys lead us on what is the meaning? What is the purpose behind what you do? So I love that. I think more than ever with how fast the world changes, it's almost necessary to be constant learners. And Mm. yeah, that's one of our core values because it's, it's almost a joke to say we can master anything now. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's some foundational principles we need to know and skill sets, but if we're not constantly learning, the world's just flying by. That's true. You also talked a little bit about the fear of kind of niching down with your business as it grew and and getting really focused on one specific kind of market. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I I have struggled with this and I won't be the first person to tell anybody this. I, I didn't think that the principle was a bad one. I think that niching down was good. But to be honest with you, I just had fear that if I niched down too much that I would just be out of work, that I wouldn't have enough to diversify our service offering to to get work. Because, you know, as a a quote unquote full service creative agency, you know, one day we may get phone calls about branding and the next day it's about web or social media. So it comes in waves. And so I was like, if someone calls me tomorrow and says, we need social media and I say, well, we don't do that anymore. Or well, can you do branding? We don't do that anymore. Then it's just this fear of, okay, I can't provide for my team anymore. I can't provide for my family anymore. And so it was just all of these reasons fear reasons of why we shouldn't niche down. We brought on a COO in the last year and he was really big on niching down, but he was also, uh, I guess, sensitive to me and helping me get to that place. There was never a push, but we niched, we went through this process of niching down and the first niche down was storytelling. That's what it was. So it was, uh, I think we had focused in on anybody who, makes a product and that could be a wide range it could be manufacturing it could be a subscription service that could be a medical device company it could be a lot of different things right so anybody who makes a product to serve some core market and then the other one was what is it that we do and i think we came down to storytelling and that that was like a a a first step in niching down for me because it was storytelling Uh but you could still use branding you could still use web you could still use video it was um, safe so at that, that point still. You yeah. could fit it all. You could fit it all in the backpack. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. There wasn't this like magical moment, but I think I mean, even the last couple months, I started to think about it a little bit more. One, I found myself 
being the most proud of showcasing some of our video work because of the responses that I was getting from people like goosebumps or people saying, and this was like corporate videos and they're saying, I don't know why, but I want to cry right now. And we just kept getting a lot of feedback. We had one client say that they had been looking for a video company for over a year and there's tons of great production agencies out there in Chattanooga and the South nationally. And they stumbled across our video through another client and they said, you guys are the only one we believe can truly tell our story. And they said, we've even been talking to companies in California. And I'm thinking, well, there's, there's some, I'm sure there's some people that could tell your story, but <laughs> I was honored just to hear them focusing on the story aspect. Cause that's where I think we want to fall. And so I just started to think about that more and, I think what got me really excited is I think as a full service agency, I think we did a lot of good in a lot of areas, but I don't know truthfully if I can say that we were experts or excelled in just one area, you know, and I thought we've got a process for branding, for web, for social media, for digital advertising. We've got all these processes, but what would it be like if we could just have one process we switch over to be mostly a production group we can make that process so refined and so special and so of course the it may be a humorous piece or an emotional piece so you can have some diversity within that process and what the end product is but i just said you know maybe maybe niching down will allow us to just make the experience for our customer base just that much more special that's been the beautiful thing and then it just hit me and i was like we're doing this and we're kind of in the moment of of rebranding ourselves and trying to take advantage of this downtime with the unfortunate pandemic. But I think we're ready to fully step into this niching down moment. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, we were talking a little earlier about the human element that's coming in during this pandemic of everyone being on Zoom at home and very imperfect. And Mm. uh, I think I gave the example of turning on Jimmy Fallon the other day and he's just at home and his two little girls are like messing things up (laughs) and it's so imperfect. And that's a bit comforting. Sure and helps helps us all connect in a way that maybe we are starting to lose through technology yeah these past years and so i think the storytelling and the emotional connection go so hand in hand with what we're all dealing with and kind of navigating through right now and i wanted you to share kind of these steps that you have around emotional connection cuz i think it's helpful to get a little more specific about that and sure. give people some tangible things to grasp onto. And so you talked about the five steps of emotional connection, and maybe you could just walk us through that a bit. Absolutely. In the short order, we've got this listed out. So the number one is perception. Number two is presence. Three is visibility. Four is voice. And then five, connection. And we had a client recently reach out and they wanted to go straight to, I think, video or straight to social media. But trying to be good stewards of that brand, we noticed that there were certain things about their brand that they hadn't completed, you know, step one, step two. So not that they couldn't just jump right into social media um, or doing videos. You know, we felt like by not telling them areas where they needed to improve first, they may just be casting, you know, money at the wind and seeing it disappear. So, you know, I guess we don't create these steps trying to get more work it's really just saying in order for you to see um, the biggest return on investment we feel like these are the steps that are important to take so starting with number one perception that's more or less your brand foundation 
So it could be your name, it could be your logo, but your brand is the foundation and that's really got to be buttoned up. It's your identity. So if you're struggling on an identity standpoint with your business, then that should be the first sign that you've got to kind of pull back and just get that perfectly aligned. Because if you don't know yourself or know your message, then how can you adequately communicate that to an audience? So there's no way you're going to be on step five communication. So moving on to the presence. So this is a little bit of an extension from the brand, but, you know, in your identity, like how, how do you want to represent yourself? So this is not talking about website. This is mostly talking about even things as basic going back to the old business card days, you know? So when you have those moments of first impressions or first introductions, you know, how do you want people to respond to your brand? So it could be a business card. It could be a handwritten note, but how do you take that identity that you've established in step one? and make sure that it's on point and consistent in every form of communication that you do right off the bat. So present is more of like, okay, you've established your identity. Now I'm going to introduce myself to the world. And this is how I make sure that there's perfect alignment. So three is visibility. So we live in the digital world, digital age. So making sure that you have visibility online is, is very important. It can be as simple as a single landing page. I don't think the, you know, back just a few years ago, it was like, you needed to have 30 landing pages and <laughs> a small novel of copy. And it's less about that now. It's more about, again, I would say simplicity, just clarifying your message. I think we all probably are fans of StoryBrand, Donald Miller's, just really simplifying your message. So you got to simplify your message so you're not confusing the audience that you're going after. If they don't know what you're talking about, they're not going to stick around very long. So I think visibility is just making sure that you have a place for people to land making sure your message is really clear. And then just, yeah, I don't think it's about a length. I think it's just about just quality and, and clarity. And then we get into to voice. So, you know, each market is different. And so I think you've got to think about how you want to communicate. You know, is your message one that should be delivered in a serious tone? Is it something that more of like your guy codes that deliver serious information, but d- done so more in a playful way. So I think you have to think about what is our voice. So you have your visual identity, but what is the spoken identity of your brand? I think that's really important. And then kind of to sum up is the connection. So I think whether you do this in social media or digital advertising or video, I think the emotional connection, the, all these things kind of have to be in place before you establish that connection. Because if someone gets hooked on the emotional connection and they come back and the brand is not in a good place or the quality of uh, that presence that we talked about is uh, not at the same level or your your website loses them completely, the emotional connection won't be serving a purpose. You know, it'll get them hooked, but they'll drop off when they come back. But to wrap up, the emotional connection we've just found has been so important. So I talk about Apple a lot. It may be a cliche brand to talk about, but They have an incredible product, but I think what they've done so well in marketing is that they have sold less of the product and more of how it changes your life. So I think about the commercials and it's parents capturing their child's first birthday or it's friends that have just explored one of the most beautiful waterfalls, you know, in the world. So, of course, you have a couple of shots of the iPad or the iPhone or whatever product it may be, but where they really sell you on is just how it changes your life. And I think no matter what brand it is, whether it's, you know, manufacturing or it's medical or insurance, things that are not the sexiest of products. So I worked in the carpet industry and the automotive flooring industry, which neither one of those products are very sexy. But even if you dig down deep enough, you can find 
the emotional connection, which is like the in-between between the product or service and the end consumer. And that's where I think you start to see some really special things happen. So of course, you got to have your brand in place and visibility all locks in. But I just believe that as human beings, and I think we're seeing it now more than ever, is we are hardwired for that emotional connection. I still think humans respond best to humans. Like technology helps us crank out stuff like never before. But at the end of the day, like we were meant to communicate and to connect with other human beings and other human stories. And so I think emotional connection is like the DNA that should run through everything that you do. I love the steps and the fact that you can kind of think about the different facets of this. And it's just making me think about kind of what you just said. Business, some people would argue, exists for money, the flow of money. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that argument, but I'm a little more on your side of, of it that if there was no service or product needed by a human on the other end, then there would be no need for the flow of money in the first place. So (laughs) I I think at the end of the day, it really does all exist for people. And, and maybe some of this is connecting back to that understanding. Even if there's a lot of layers in between the person who kind of makes it and the person who uses it, Mm -hmm. being able to see past some of that. Right. What's been impactful for you seeing this, seeing these steps implemented with people you work with? I think, you know, I think we struggled for a long time too. And I think this is what ultimately forced us to niche down is this, and you said it well earlier, it's sometimes in the creative field, it's hard to prove or showcase the true return on investment, right? So if you've made a website prettier, like of course the user experience is going to be nice, but how how do you effectively measure the return on investment, you know, because that it's like it's weird combination of the design plus the product. Is the market big enough? What's your piece of the pie? So it, it can be hard to do that. And so I wrestled with, you know, I think one of the books that I had referenced was Fire Them Now, which is a, a book that's focused in on really giving clients some firepower on when they go to hire creative agencies, making sure that they're not just sending money over to people that are just going to take it with no results, you know? So I struggled with for a long time of just knowing like, yes, we built a brand new website or we did a beautiful brand and they're more aesthetically pleasing, but how did we really leave them? You know, did we leave them better off than, than when we came on before? And so I think, you know, once we had implemented some of these, new services or, or refined what our our niche was, just seeing how, how that played out with our clients has been an, incredible. So we worked with a CPA firm and we we did a lot of video work with them, try to pull out their emotional connection. I think the the campaign that we ended up was clients are they're a name, not just a number. You know, it's it's so getting into some of that. But I think we've applied that emotional connection to a CPA firm and they were already a good size, but they have not only had a a huge ramp up in clients and a great response from those videos, but they've also had a, like a influx of young CPAs uh, and accountants that are just coming out of school that are looking to align themselves with a company that emotionally connects with this market, you know, because CPAs aren't necessarily known for being cool or establishing great uh, relationships with the community. You know, we did the same thing for a moving company and, it's just been, it's been really special. They're actually about to f- start franchising in the Southeast. And I don't know, it's just, we've, we've seen the results that have come from landing on this, 
not only a niche, but I think what was our ultimate calling all along, you know? I don't know if I told you this either, but right after we finally had the epiphany and the aha moment to move forward with the niching down, literally the next week, all the leads that came through, people were asking about video services only. And they're, yeah. I'd say something like, well, do you need any help with this? And like, no, we just want to focus on, on video right now. So it was, it was really cool that like once we kind of owned that and really took ownership that I don't know, again, a, more divine intervention than anything, but it was those reminders of this is what you were created to do all along. Yeah. So, yeah. And it does make sense when you think about the idea of momentum, whether it's a business or, or personally focusing on what you're meant to do and what you do best it's like this exponential, this growing momentum, the more Mm. you can lean into that. And yeah, if you're scattered across a lot of different things, there's never enough time to build momentum and kind of Mm. break out of that startup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I want to go check out some of these videos myself. So where can people (laughs) find you? Where can they see some of the video work you guys have done or even just follow you on social yeah that's a great question so the quick answer is just to visit us at councilcreative.com so there's a couple ways to spell council but it's c-o-u-n-s-e-l creative.com same thing on social media instagram is probably where we communicate the most and then i would say just if people are checking in we've got a lot of great work there now but we're actually in the process of launching uh, our new website and our, our new identity so we're pretty pumped about that so i think we're hoping i mean i don't think any of us know how long these quarantine days are going to last but we're hoping by the time the the lights come back on that council creative is is very clear in how we can serve so there will be some some new video content coming in the near future but we're, we're pretty excited well thanks again for coming on this was fun to connect even though we couldn't be poolside with a drink in hand <laughs> after our talks on stage so yeah maybe maybe next year yeah t-shirts and attic and basements <laughs> and attics we'll have to do for now <laughs> that's true that's true it make it sweeter come next year <laughs> well thanks for coming on kenny thank you steve i appreciate you so much <laughs>